0: Hello and welcome to the season finale of Professional AF. I know, me too, you guys. And what a special show to end on. Many of you know that this entire show started out of a personal growth journey for the last 18 months when my husband learned that he had been suffering from untreated PTSD for 12 years. And when I too learned that over those years I had developed secondary PTSD. So we decided to spend as much time as it would take to focus on our mental and physical well-being. And in that spirit, I made a list of 49 different things that I wanted to improve about myself. I know, kind of really got into it. That list was the original premise for this show. So, how fitting to end this season by discussing the book that has had the biggest impact on both Jason's personal journey as well as mine. Today, Jason and I are discussing the subtle art of not giving an F. First published in 2016, the book has sold over 6 million copies and has topped every bestseller list. The book's premise is that we spend way too much time worrying about the things that don't really matter, and learning how to let that go is the secret to happiness and personal growth. There's so many great pieces of advice woven throughout the book that Jason and I wanted to share our favorites while discussing the journey that we've both been on over the last 18 months. This is like the culmination of everything we've been doing. Specifically, Jason and I are going to cover how to stop being a slave to what other people think of you, why trying to be happy all the time is going to make you very unhappy, why things are not your fault, but they might be your responsibility, and how to stop giving an F about the things that don't really matter. Before we get to the show, please take a second to rate Professional AF wherever you listen to it. Your ratings and feedback have a huge impact on the types of guests and content that we can get for season three. I thank you in advance for everything that you do to support the show and share it with your friends and coworkers. And I'm so excited to introduce this conversation with Jason Kander. Jason, welcome to the program for the first time ever.
1: I'm delighted to be here, not just for the ads, (laughs) but I do have some things about whoop I would like to tell you.
0: Is that right? This is an entire hour long whoop segment. Yeah, no. So I'm thinking about evolving the show for season three and really making it about how being professional AF means messing up on a regular basis, but failing forward, really becoming successful, but admitting what's going wrong so that you can improve from it. So I'm going to ask every guest to share a professional AF moment, either recent or like one of your rock star professional AF moments where you messed up and, uh, you know, hilarity ensued.
1: Well, as you know, I am uh, getting used to being in professional life without having thirty handlers at any given time, and I'm I'm getting used to things like email and my calendar and like driving myself all the time and that kind of thing. And you were there for this uh, two nights ago. You said, "Hey, let's look at the calendar for tomorrow." Which, thank goodness, you did, because this is at like nine thirty at night, and I looked at the calendar and said. I have to be in Jefferson city to brief the Missouri veterans commission in 10 hours. And then I called my coworker and said, Hey, um, I will pick you up at six 45 tomorrow morning. We're going, and I felt really bad for Brian. And then we stopped for gas on the way there. And you called me and said, Hey, I was looking at your calendar. It appears you're supposed to be at lunch with somebody in Kansas city. And I'm going, Oh no. So I call my assistant and have her reschedule it. And then the guy, one of the two guys I'm having lunch with calls me and says, Hey, the other guy flew in for this. (laughs) And so I had to meet him later. So I, I, I just, everything I did for like eight hours just made everything else worse. It all worked out fine. But anyway, I'm getting used to doing my own,
0: getting better every day.
1: I'm getting better every day. I I did an Excel spreadsheet two weeks ago, and then I texted everyone who ever worked for me pretty much and bragged about it.
0: Every time, actually, you have one of these accomplishments, you put it on Twitter and text everyone you used to work with in your text chain.
1: They are enormous accomplishments for me. (laughs) I don't understand how people deal with email. I'm learning about how to, I'm answering my own email. I don't understand how everybody's just walking around with like 30 unresponded to emails and not freaking out.
0: They're freaking out trust me.
1: Okay.
0: All right. Let's talk about the subtle art of not giving a fart. I don't know. I'm just going to try to come up with not actually using the F word during the show. Tell me why this was the most impactful book that you read during your journey of the last 15 months.
1: Uh, It was funny that I was most of the way through like my weekly therapy regimen at the VA when my therapist was like, I've never asked anybody to read this book, but you need to read this book. And uh, and so he, he, my homework was to go get the book. Uh, I think it was, um, for me in particular, really impactful because the point of the book is not to stop giving an F or a fudge or whatever we're saying about everything. The point of it is to stop giving an F about the things that are unimportant. And for a really long time, for me... And this is not uncommon for people who have experienced trauma. I felt like I would find redemption through just trying to, you know, may I felt like I owed something to everyone in the entire world. And this book is one of the tools that I use to help me realize like, no, I've done a lot of good things and I don't owe everybody something. And so I'm going to just focus on the things I really care about. Um, and, and not give an F about the things that there's no point in me caring about.
0: What did you used to give an F about that you don't anymore?
1: Uh, what people like thought of me, uh, like, and not, I mean, obviously I was a politician. So part of the job is caring about like how you're doing with certain groups of people. It's not even that so much as like, I would feel like, like if I didn't respond to somebody in a way that they didn't like.
0: Let's say for instance you stood them up for lunch when yeah. they flew in or right. you you woke them up to tell them you were picking them up at 6:45 in the morning.
1: Right, like before I would feel bad about that and I would but it would bother me for I would feel like indebted to them for life. And now I'm like, well, I want to make it up to them and I want to fix it, but I'm not like I'm a horrible person. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I'm like, okay, well, I made that mistake. I'll try and make it better. I I remember a few months ago, my dad asked me, he was talking about a political candidate who I had supported, but I was not like out campaigning for. And my dad asked me, he said, well, and he didn't ask this because he was suggesting this to be the case. He asked this just knowing how I've always been the last several years. He was like, don't you feel like you kind of owe it to them? And I remember thinking about it. And this book played a role in this and my therapy and everything and going, you know, I'm pretty sure I don't owe anything to pretty much anybody anymore. And I said, I, I owe love and friendship to my family and my friends and everything else. It's just going to be the stuff that I care about. And uh, that was a big deal for me.
0: That does sound like a big deal. H-
1: how did this book, because I told you, I'm not going to just be interviewed. All right. How, how has this book impacted you? Because at first we
0: read it to each other. So the biggest change for me has been caring a lot less about what other people thought of me. And I used to be a slave to online comments that were negative. And there's a certain uh, website that's like a sensational news website in Kansas City, which even w- when it had good articles about me, the comments were always horrible. And in the last few 15 months ever since we read the book, I don't even look, I don't even care about the articles. And that is such a point of pride for me. I would have never been able to have a story, have my name in it and not been able to like walk away from it.
1: Well, I mean, it's worse than that. Like they ran, when I ran for the Senate, they ran ads about you and stuff. I mean, made up stuff.
0: Yeah. But now I can, I, you know, uh, I've, found a lot of great advice from ricky gervais on this topic who says you just have to picture twitter comments that are negative as though they were written on a bathroom stall and that is like the amount of effort that went into them and that is how much um how much you should care about them as if you had read them there
1: yeah one of the things in this book was that you can't do things that are important and life-changing for other people without also being a joke to some other people And I think as politicians go, I did a decent job at not trying to please everybody, but I still think like related to my trauma and my profession, I spent a lot of time like at least trying to please the majority. And now I'm like, you know what? I think I play an important role in the world through my work at Veterans Community Project, through talking about mental health, and that's enough for me. And if people think I'm not involved enough or they think, what I I, it doesn't do me any good to sweat that.
0: One of the things that the book says makes us miserable is our constant pursuit of happiness. Like trying to be happy all the time is actually going to make you sad. Do you feel like you were chasing happiness before?
1: No, I didn't really relate to that part because as you know, part of my problem was I had settled into a place where I didn't think happiness was a thing that I could attain. I was more like, I was just trying to, I was seeking redemption, which I guess was my version of happiness. Cause I, I felt like I hadn't done enough and I hadn't, um, and I was unworthy of success and all that, um, because, well, because of PTSD, but I, and so I, but now I understand like, now I no longer feel like I need redemption. And so I guess if you substitute redemption for happiness, yes, you've always been like the happiest person I know. So I don't know if... Well, not always, but I mean, I just wonder if you feel that way.
0: I I do feel like, like trying to be happy all the time will make you unhappy. Like trying to, so the book says that happiness comes from solving problems. And I very much believe that. Like if you, if you avoid your problems or you feel like you don't have any problems, you're going to be sad. And if you feel like you can't solve your problems, you're going to be sad. And the few times that I um, was sad was when I felt like things were happening to me and I didn't have control over them. Like I did, I wasn't able to solve those problems. I don't know if that resonated with you.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, part of my problem was I was picking problems that were I mean, it was like, I have to save the country. <laughs> I have to end the war. I have to, you know, I was putting all and I, and if I don't, I'm, I'm irredeemable and I'm worthless. And so I think it, one of the other things in the book that I really like is it talks about you can't avoid your problems. You just need to figure out which problems you enjoy solving. And so that's really what I've come to now is like, Oh, I I'm, I can solve some of these problems and I really enjoy it. And that's what I focus on.
0: So uh, along that related to that, I love the part of the book that talks about that. We have to choose how we're going to suffer that if you, if you take any human beings and put them in a room and you say like, what do you want? They all want the same pleasures. Like we all want love and we want a house and sunshine. Like we all want the same stuff, but if you, ask the same group of people, what are you willing to suffer through to get what you want? They're going to have extremely different like things that they're going to say, like, here's what I'm willing to suffer in my life and how no matter what you try to do, you're going to end up suffering. So you choose how you're going to suffer.
1: See, I actually think the premise for me is a little different because you said everybody's going to pick the same pleasures that they want. And my problem was I couldn't, I had no pleasures. I had highs like, and that's one of the things the book talks about is like, I, I didn't chase happiness. I chased like the high of, you know, giving a speech on national television and feeling like everybody liked me and all that. And then that would last a very short time. And as soon as it was over, like I was stuck with me again. Right. And, and so I would chase those professional highs and then could get very few highs out of like my, my life at home with, with you and true. And so I actually think in some ways for me, by really boiling down what my pleasures are, what I enjoy, that's made a big difference. Like now I, I enjoy exercise. I enjoy spending time with my family. I enjoy being of value to others in my job. And, but that's the same thing. Now I'm, I'm choosing a different suffering because it's like, I'm I'm choosing to you know work hard to build an help build an organization nationally and that's really hard to do and there's suffering involved but like one of the things the book says is that maturity is when um you realize that in order to not give an f about adversity you have to give an f about something that is more important to you than the adversity or in in the case of what you're talking about the suffering like caring more about something That's not for you, but something like a cause you care about, then you do about the suffering to try and serve that cause.
0: So that's why you suffer through leg day now.
1: Yeah, that's why I suffer through leg day. But it used to be that I was like, well, I will not sleep for weeks and I will go on the road and I will not see my family because I care about, you know, this cause. And that cause was like the country, but it was also mixed into that my own identity of like, I'm a person who cares more about the country. And now like... When I do politics, when I do anything, it's solely because I care about that and I want to do that and not because I feel like I have to do that in order to feed this idea of who I'm trying to be.
0: Jason, it's the season finale. And I think it's important to remind people that all the advertisements that we do for the show are products that we already loved. And we just made a list and reached out to folks to see if we could talk about their products on the show.
1: Yeah, it was just, (laughs) hey, what is the stuff we use every day? Let's talk to those people.
0: And the one that I'm most excited about to always talk about is the WHOOP Fitness Tracker. That's the fitness tracker that doesn't track your steps during the day. It focuses directly on your cardiovascular load, like how well your heart's doing. And it tracks how much sleep you're getting, how recovered your body is, and how much strain you're putting on your heart each day.
1: It has allowed me to gamify my entire day. It's awesome.
0: What was really cool this week is after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in our professional AF whoop group, everybody from Kansas City was in the red the next day. Yeah,
1: you know, like, nobody like nobody got good nights. I stayed up till like one thirty in the morning just watching highlights of the game I'd just seen.
0: And interviews with everybody.
1: Yeah, I've I've consumed every piece of content there is about that game.
0: And whoop could tell all of us were mm-hmm. in the red dragging the next day, but proud to be red. That day. It
1: was uh, appropriate.
0: (laughs) So our listeners, the show's listeners, can get 15% off their monthly subscription to Whoop by typing in Diana at the checkout at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P. Listeners of the show get 15% off by typing in Diana as the code word in your checkout. Jason, what do you think you've learned about NBKC? over this season of the podcast
1: that you handle all of it and I don't have to do anything
0: but what have you learned about NBKC the bank
1: mm-hmm. no fees
0: uh-huh you've learned that because we've read those ads every yeah. single week <laughs>
1: right and that it's a it's got that glass door thing it's a very nice place to work
0: uh-huh and, and the CEO reads all of those glass door reviews and responds to them as well as any customer reviews
1: yeah and that you're very excited about NBKC.
0: Listen, it's a national online bank, and we're just so lucky to have them based in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you've learned about NBKC? Ah,
1: uh, I feel a little on the spot.
0: What about the, their member FDIC? Oh,
1: sorry. This is my one job. <laughs> They're an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. I That's
0: think my those are- one job. <laughs> I think those are important things to know. As the representative who switched to MBKC and loves the relationship, I'll be the one to say that if you sign up at mbkc.com slash Diana online and you open an account, you get a free box of swag from the show. Professional AF, you get a book from the show that I love that's not available for sale anywhere. Uh, The swag isn't. And you get it from the fine folks at MBKC.
1: I also could have named any of those things. That would have been good too.
0: No, no. I think you're doing great. Thanks. So I think that a lot of the things that used to make us miserable before the last 15 months all stemmed from our desire for control. And one of the most memorable parts of our journey was the conversation that you had with your therapist about control. So can you share that?
1: Yeah, It's the way that you and I almost got tattoos. Uh-huh. And so it was one of my early therapy appointments and Uh, my therapist, the VA asked me, he said, what percentage of your, of your day do you think you have control over what happens in your day? And I said, I don't know, like 85%. And he said, okay. Um, the average person says somewhere between 30 and like 40%, I think it was. And he said, uh, he said the actual number is 3%. He said, People with post-traumatic stress, people with hypervigilance like I have and like I lovingly gave to you <laughs> uh, tend to say a much higher percentage because in order to make themselves feel literally physically safe, uh, they are trying to control everything around them and they believe that they can. And so, um, like I wrote on the mirror in the gym downstairs in our house, like I can only control 3%. You and I got temporary 3% tattoos for a while. We're trying them out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, but you were the same way. You had to stop trying to control things.
0: Did this book help well, hold you? Oh, and
1: that was me prompting you to talk. And, okay. And not, that wasn't me being like, you did the same thing. <laughs> that was me saying, like, this is not just the me show. Like, you've grown as much as I have in the last 15 months. Well, I had more growth to do, but yours has been more graceful.
0: Uh, well, I was going to ask you did the book help you control? Like, did, did it help you let go of things? because it's like the whole book is about how to stop giving an f about, you know, the vast majority of things in the world.
1: Yeah, I think it like helped I understood I needed to try to control things less, but it 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 helped uh give me examples of things I could I could focus on as not need, or I could I could say I I don't need to control that. Like I can remember times when you and i would be talking about some people who we knew socially or whatever and it'd be like oh we haven't talked to them for a while or oh they may be upset with me over this and uh, and we kind of we still do it sometimes we had sort of that shorthand where we would like pat ourselves down like we were looking for f's and it was like oh nope all fresh out and the book definitely helped me helped us develop that shorthand
0: yeah i mean if you have in one hand the things that you give Fs about in your life, then it's much easier to let go of everything else. And we recently did an exercise where we like picked out the values that we cared about that we felt like represented the next year and things that we wanted to aspire to. And I think that a lot of times you go through life living, thinking that your values are like paying for the mortgage and achieving some professional goals. But those those are the wrong F's because they're going to make you miserable. And I feel like the last 15 months has been about figuring out like, what is it that we do want to care about? And it makes it much easier to not care about the other stuff.
1: Well, for me now that I've dealt with a lot of my other issues, like emotional numbness and I can, I can feel feelings and that sort of thing. It's delightful to be able to do it. So now like after 5 or 6 PM, even when there's, there's always more work to be done. But the difference now is that I used to feel like, well, this is really important. Like you have to understand, I have to do this right now. And I therefore wouldn't have time for you and true. And now if it's like after five o'clock, like it almost doesn't matter what's going on with my work, like, because I go, well, look, I give an F about that, but I give an F about my family more. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm putting this aside and we're going to watch the Muppet movie for dinner. Like we did tonight with true, you know?
0: Can I say that one of the things that has been a big shift for both you and me is we started to care about ourselves uh, for the first time in a long time, our physical well-being, our mental well-being. And we actually prioritized ourselves like number one on our individual lists. And that's a big first for me.
1: Yeah, it's funny. The It's. It's counterintuitive because I remember talking to my therapist once about how I remember all those years when I was like running all over the country or first all over the state and, you know, people who would meet me would be like, they, they would thank me for everything I was doing and they, and they would act like it was so unselfish and everything. And then at home. You felt like it was very selfish because whether you realized it or not, you kind of knew I was running from my problems or whatever it was, but also I was just not around for my family. And then when I stepped away from everything and I was home all the time, I felt like I was being very selfish, right? Because here I was focusing exclusively on my own mental health and I was letting all these causes I cared about just like fend for themselves for several months. And I was just worried about me, you and True. And I remember saying to my therapist, like, I don't understand. Diana's now like, doesn't at all feel like I'm selfish? And it's like, you know, keeps telling me how grateful she is for it and how and how how I'm being unselfish. And I feel like I'm being selfish. And he's like, well, that's that's the counterintuitive nature of this. Like you, you were in many ways being unselfish before um, because you were not at all concerned with what happened to you he's like, but for the people who love you and are around you, like when you're selfish enough to care what happens to you and how you feel, you're much more fun to be around. <laughs> and and that's the thing. Like now that I like actually take care of myself, I'm probably much more fun to live with. Though.
0: I mean, if you think that old you could have done anything with a spreadsheet, you are way <laughs> off. Like, I think it helps you perform at a much different level.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it definitely does. But it also just like, I think it makes me a better father and I think a better husband.
0: Sure. All the important stuff, but this is professional AF. This is Uh, about us at at work. So there you're performing at a significantly higher. I mean, you're doing the job that like a lot of other people used to do for you
1: yeah well i don't know i think it because there are people at my work who listen to your podcast and i think some of them would be like
0: they would oh. disagree <laughs>
1: Be like oh yeah so impressive that he does <laughs> a quarter of the stuff for himself that we do for ourselves and by the way like there are people at my work who do some of that stuff
0: you for you should have met him before is what i will say to those people <laughs> and i can introduce you to the people that used to work with him
1: well, it's like a few nights ago when i made that call to say you got to go to jeff city with me and i said to brian um Hey, if you come, does your computer use a thumb drive? Cause mine doesn't have one. And at, as he was saying, a thumb drive will work on your computer. You were saying, Brian, you have to go with it.
0: <laughs> like it you just, you, you're going to need tech support to use the thumb drive.
1: Brian, by the way, is, is the CEO of the organization. Yeah, well. Like I'm, I'm the president. Like, and he has to, like the CEO has to be like, you can use a thumb drive. <laughs> so let's not give me too much credit. My right. point.
0: So there's this whole section on fault and responsibility in the book. So things can happen to you that are not your fault. That's the whole 3% thing. But how you respond to them is up to you. So it's not your fault, but it is now your responsibility where you go from here. So fault is this past tense thing. It's this thing that already happened. But responsibility, that's the present. And this really makes me think about this similar idea that we got from comedian- And up and coming guru, Pete Holmes, who says, yes, thank you to life. Like, no matter what happens, that's the fault. You say, yes, thank you. And I know that you and I have both been working on our yes, thank yous. So I would love to hear your perspective on it.
1: You're much better at it than I am. Listen, it's a
0: work in progress for everybody.
1: Yeah, but you almost never do it sarcastically. Which is good.
0: Well, you're not around all the time when things happen, but I I try to come up with a yes, thank you for whatever frustrates me.
1: You've got True doing yes, thank you.
0: Oh, it's the best.
1: Which is really impressive.
0: But he's like, sometimes he's like, yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how I do it all the
0: time. <laughs> so you're working your way up to it. But yeah. like whatever is happening, you find the thing that's not like, oh, you know, at least I still get to do this. It's like, yes, this thing means something amazing is also reality in my life.
1: Well, I think first, so people can have a good example of it, you should go first and talk about something. You, yes, thank you, recently.
0: Oh, I got stuck uh, because of weather on a work trip. I couldn't come home. True was really sad and it would be easy. I had to stay another night and it would be really easy to be like, oh, this is terrible. Like travel is awful. And I was like, yes, thank you. I have the coolest job in the world that I get to travel around and I get to go to sleep at 8.30 p.m.
1: Yeah, I think that was the big one. You were like, I'm going to go to sleep.
0: Yeah, but like there's so many yes, thank yous. Like, yes, thank you for putting me in the position that this could even happen to me.
1: It should be pointed out to people listening that your your gig was in Vegas and you were like, you weren't like, yes, I get to party. (laughs) You were like, yes, thank you. I'm going to get some sleep and you went to sleep at 8.30 p.m. in Vegas.
0: I had to get up at three for the flight. So
1: yeah, but whatever, like a lot of people wouldn't make those good life choices.
0: Okay. Well, your, your perspective of yes. Thank you. How are you working your way through it? And, and this concept of things not being your fault, but now being your responsibility.
1: I think one of the best examples lately has been more like physical stuff. Like I've, now that I, I'm prioritizing things that I care about, above things that i think i should care about i've gotten i've developed hobbies mostly like fitness i've gotten really into working out and i i try to work out I, i work out five or six days a week and there's been a couple of times recently where i i couldn't for whatever reason schedule stuff like i i couldn't work out that day and a couple months ago i would have been very upset about that it would have bothered me all day and now i'm like i'm doing better at going like okay I probably could use rest today. Yes, thank you. I could use rest. Yes, thank you. I'm going to get some other stuff done. Yes, thank you. This is going to help me remember that um, I don't actually have to work out every single day. Like, it'll be all right. So I'm getting better about that.
0: Yes, thank you. I never could have, like, recovered this quickly yeah. previously. Oh, I can come up with so many yes, thank Well
1: and, and Or I can say, like, yes, thank you. My back is not hurting. That's not the thing stopping me from working out, yeah, you know?
0: Yes, thank you. All right. Can you, yes, thank you, your PTSD? Uh, <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I mean, yes, thank you, because I'm really pleased with who I am right now. And it's hard for me to, yes, thank you, 10 years of, well, yeah, I mean, look, there are positive things about it It, in the sense that I, I do think I did a lot of good work in the last 10 or 11 years prior to getting diagnosed and getting treated. Um, I would have liked to have gone about it differently. I would have liked to have not lost all that time with you and true and with myself, but I did some good things. And I, I did put myself personally in a position where I have a platform now whenever I want to speak about things. And I think I made a a big difference. We made a big difference for a lot of people by being public about it. And had I not had that platform, I couldn't have done that. So it's a lot easier to yes, thank you. And now that I've like treated it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard to yes, thank you in the middle of a car accident.
1: Yeah. That was, it was, I mean, like the first half of the 15 month journey. It's not great. It sucked (laughs)
0: like
1: a lot, but the 11 years prior to that, were not at any kind of picnic either. So, it was, it kind of goes in that category of, I finally started giving more of an F about getting better than I did about avoiding, um, the challenge of trying to get better.
0: Are there any other quotes? Well, wait,
1: hold on. Yes, since you have secondary post traumatic stress thanks to your story. Oh
0: boy, you're gonna turn it on me. Yeah. Well. Yes, thank you. Secondary PTSD <laughs> because I have a lot to laugh about now. Um we own uh, <laughs> this dog that we purchased to protect us from danger.
1: I love that your reason is the dog. <laughs> you love that dog so much. I mean, I like the dog a lot. I love the dog.
0: But it's just like it's so much hilarity in our lives because we always have all that hypervigilance that would bother us so much to to laugh about to um, and um, it has greatly secured our home <laughs> because of all the hypervigilance. Yes, thank you to going through that because I feel like I've gotten to see the bottom for me mentally, and I now know what it feels like when I'm headed there and when things are not right. It's like people who are able to lose um, like a lot of weight You know, I know what it feels like to not carry that. And I'm so grateful to have that feeling and, and be a lot more mindful for it moving forward.
1: I'm, I'm very proud of you for it, but you're also like kind of my mentor in the whole mental health game.
0: Well, I'm just here to stop giving Fs (laughs) (laughs) about a lot of things.
1: So it's like 10 o'clock at night, we've been doing ads every Saturday night for this whole season. For these companies that I genuinely do really like, that's why they do ads on this podcast, but we do them late at night and I am tired. And I am especially tired this time, and I am very excited to go lay down on my Purple mattress. Oh, what a segue. I mean, no joke. I am pumped about it.
0: I mean, the reason you're pumped about it, Jason, is because the Purple mattress feels different than anything that you've experienced before because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam that we had before it. The Purple mattress feels very unique because it is both firm and soft at the same time. It's got this like honeycomb-like shape. You almost forget that you're in the middle of it when you're in it. It's amazing. But you you still feel very supportive while very comfortable.
1: I'm ready to go downstairs right now and go to sleep. (laughs) All right. Uh, You get a 100-night risk-free trial. And if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It is backed by a 10-year warranty And there is free shipping and returns.
0: You're going to love purple. And right now, our listeners get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to all the great stuff that they have on the website. You just text Diana to 84888. The only way to get the free pillow is to text Diana to 84888. That's D I A N A to 84888. Are there any quotes from the book or anything else that meant something to you? We can reverse interview now Hmm. that meant something to you that you want to bring up and talk about.
1: So I have a few. Can we go, can we alternate? Sure. So the first one is, uh, and I think it's like the whole premise of the book. And it's that you only have a limited amount of Fs. Like you have to think about it that way because otherwise you're just giving them out all the time. And if you have an unlimited amount of Fs to give, then you're just going to give an F about everything. So if you think about it like they're scarce, then you'll really question whether you really give an F about something and whether you really need to go, you know, have that meeting that you don't want to have.
0: I have started saying no to a lot of things. We're like, oh for the sake of my career, I really should do this, but it's in the middle of my vacation in Mexico and I really don't want to. And for the first time in my life, I'm like, ah, whatever happens, happens. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm I've, not gonna do it.
1: I've been very grateful for all that stuff that you've been saying no to because it's giving you more time at home, which is an interesting uh, reverse of our lives is that now I just want you to do less stuff so that you're home more because I'm here most of the time. Ironic. It's pretty great.
0: I also have stopped making a to-do list, which is not, I mean, it's working out okay, but the reason I don't make a to-do list is because it physically limits how many Fs I can give. Do you know what I mean? Like I can only keep like three things in my brain to do a day. And so if I don't have a physical to-do list, then I won't write 50 things on it. So I I could just know like today... I have to do these three things and if I do them, then it will be a great success.
1: That's the difference between you and me though, is because you can you cannot make a to do list and then still remember what the three things are. And <laughs> and I'm like, I have to write these three things down or I'm gonna stress all day while well, I'm like, You gotta remember the three things.
0: Yeah, so it's not a perfect system for everybody, but it's a way that I've found to limit how many Fs I can give about things. Because when I used to write to-do lists, it would be like it would take every single line on a piece of paper. I would just keep writing till I got to the end of the piece of paper. And I, I would just keep rewriting the same to-do list over and over again and not make progress on the most important things. And now I get to work on the things that make the most impact to my customers, to my career. I mean it's It's more fun.
1: Okay. I have another one.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, so I think part of the reason that I spent 11 years not admitting to myself or to the world that I had post-traumatic stress from Afghanistan is because I was really worried about how I would perceive myself and how others would perceive me. And one of the best quotes in the book is that the point of the book is not about becoming indifferent. It's about being comfortable with being different. And I think that's very much something I've embraced.
0: What do you think that means?
1: Like you're not indifferent to what happens. It's not, it's not the subtle art of not giving enough about anything, right? It's, it's not saying you should just not care what happens about anything. It's saying you should, you just need to be comfortable with being different. Like if you don't care about this thing that people think you should care about, and I'm not talking about like, don't care about your family. Like, it's like, if you don't care whether people think you're not, you know, good looking enough and you become comfortable with, Hey, this is what I look like. Like you're going to be happier.
0: Different is better.
1: Yeah. Well, everybody, I think the point is like, everybody's different. Just be comfortable with it and you'll be happy or happier. Professional. Yes. Your turn.
0: I don't know. I don't have the quote, so we're going to have to keep going down your list.
1: Okay. Uh, this was big for me because I was trying to seek greatness and redemption in order to, well, greatness in order to feel redeemed. Um, And so just greatness is a made up destination. Like it's not a real thing. And I think that was true for me. Like no matter what I did, no matter how much I succeeded, I just immediately came up with another, I just moved the goalposts right away. So I never felt like Oh, now that I achieved this, I feel good. It was, it never felt that way. It was a made up destination. It was like a mirage in the desert. Like as soon as you got to it, it wasn't really there.
0: Well, it's not just greatness. Happiness works that way too. A lot of people are like, well, I'll be happy when I make this much money or I earn this position. And you'll find that when you get it, you you find a way to excuse it. No, I, now I have to get to this new place. And it is, I like how you put it, it is a mirage chasing greatness or happiness is only gonna make you miserable.
1: I remember actually like envisioning at one point, like when I thought I was gonna run for president, like I remember thinking, okay, so I'm gonna run. And if I win, am I gonna feel better? And I was like, no, I'm gonna immediately feel like I I have to like change the world in some massive way and get reelected or I won't be redeemed. And then and I was like, I could just see the whole thing. And I was like, and then if I do get reelected, then I'm gonna feel like, oh, I have to be the greatest leader in the history of the world and it's like and I probably won't achieve that and I was like yeah I am doomed to never feel good about myself and but like I didn't change my direction I was like well there's nothing I can do about it that's just how and now like I look back on that and I'm like I'm just really glad I got therapy and understood what was going on with me
0: yeah because you achieved that magical place without going for it
1: well I, I I didn't become indifferent I I became comfortable with the fact that, like, I am different, that I do have that problem and I'm okay with that. Okay, more? Yes. I have one more. Uh, Acceptance and engagement of negative emotions, negative experiences, rather than avoidance of them, which reminded me of two things. One, my therapist telling me to feel the feelings. Like if you feel bad, feel bad. If you feel good, feel good. You don't need to feel bad about feeling good. You don't need to feel bad about the fact that you feel bad too often. He's like, just feel the feelings and move on. And it also reminded me of when I first got to Afghanistan, there was somebody had written something on the wall of the stall actually. And it just said, and it's a common phrase in the military, but just said, embrace the suck. And it's sort of like, it's a little dark, but it's like, There are things that will suck, but if they're, if they suck because you're trying, you're trying to do something you care about, like embrace it. Don't avoid that part. Don't, don't run away from the emotions and the parts of life that are hard. Like understand that they're going to be hard and embrace them and go through them and they won't last as long that way.
0: Cause if you don't embrace them and you try to suppress them or avoid them,
1: they're not going away
0: they just ball up inside and force themselves out in some horrible ways.
1: Like a good analogy is the nightmares I had for 11 years that I thought, I even wrote in my book that um, if I just avoid movies about kidnapping and the stuff that gave me, you know, the stuff I would have nightmares about, I I treat it like junk food. I was like, it, it seems to taste good, but it's bad for me. Right. And then in therapy, the guy, you know, my therapist was like, No, your brain is going to process all these things. So you may as well process it during the day because if you don't, when you let your guard down by going to sleep, that's why you have nightmares. Your brain is like, we are dealing with this. And now that I don't avoid that stuff, now that I embrace the suck, like, as you can attest, I have very, I I mean, I don't have nightmares like I used to.
0: Yeah. So we've learned that these feelings that you shove down manifest themselves in all kinds of physical ways, like... Uh, Whether you don't get sleep, you have nightmares, you have back problems, you have a twitchy eye, I had a twitchy eye, you have stomach problems, just like all kinds of funky ways. Oh, your fingers get really cold. Mm -hmm. Like, just the stuff gets trapped in your body and uh, it's amazing because we have really been embracing uh, the suck whenever it happens and it goes by a lot quicker when you don't try to run away from it.
1: You claim that my hairline is thicker. Yes,
0: your hair is yeah. grown back. It's unbelievable.
1: And Diana's my barber, so she knows.
0: I mean, it's it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. It also may help that I no longer care about whether I lose my hair.
0: <laughs> I I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's the whole PTSD treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Could be it.
1: Also, I think you care about whether I lose my hair. So.
0: Well, on that note, Jason, <laughs> thank you for uh, coming on the show. Uh, in full capacity and I uh, can't wait till we read another great book that we want to share with the world
1: and me Casey is a who I
0: <laughs> no we have to do that we have to do that in another segment oh sorry alright
2: Jesse oh my gosh this is amazing this is the best episode of the season my favorite one it's is that right the, it's the culmination of everything we've talked about in pretty much every episode a little snippet all wrapped up into one tell me what you mean Uh, We talked about habits. We talked about taking care of ourselves physically. So the joy of movement. We talked about how we view our stress. We talked about feeling through our feelings. Uh, Those have all been episodes and they all came to this one episode. It's
0: fantastic. I didn't do that on purpose. (laughs) You just (laughs) took me that long to get Jason up here to record.
2: But now I can say
0: it's the season finale.
2: That's why fantastic. <laughs> it couldn't have worked out better. Everything's always working out for us.
0: What other takeaways did you have from the show?
2: Uh, my other takeaways from the show are, I know I talked earlier in the season about my like wild bedtime routine of these habits I have. Um, but one of the things I do is like repeat my these mantras to myself when I'm either journaling or when I'm going to sleep. And a lot of the uh, things that continue to come out through this episode. And so when you guys talk about yes, thank you. And that Pete Holmes video, my version of that is everything's always working out for me. And um, I think of our lives as like we're coming down this river and you can, you're can you on a raft and you can either try and control it and freak out and shift the direction of the raft. Or you can just like hang out on the raft and uh, surrender and say we. And uh, <laughs> I think I, I love that.
0: I think that's awesome. Open a drink.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever. Just get a beverage. Whatever floats your boat.
0: No, when, when you so say we, like, is that like a wee? <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one way to, to do life. Yes. It's a lot more fun. It is a lot more fun. And
2: someone recently told me, um, and I think similar to the title of the Pete Holmes episode, is um, we all struggle, but are you struggling well? I thought that was um, mind blowing. We can struggle well.
0: Yeah, we should link in the show notes the Pete Holmes, it's like a short YouTube video, and it's called How to Struggle Like a Pro. And I think that's the whole theme that we're going to go into for season three of this show, is like how to be really wrong like a pro, you know? Yeah. Like, get much better at the difficult stuff. There's plenty of shows on how to get good at the the good stuff. Mm -hmm. This'll be just about how to Get really good at the sucky stuff. <laughs> That's what we need. We'll have our very own, like, our own target market for that. <laughs> Embracing the suck. Yes. So uh, for all of you listening out there, come embrace the suck with me and Jesse <laughs> in our Professional AF Podcast Insiders Facebook group. That is where uh, I will continue to post images and moments of suck in my professional life. <laughs> and and so will Jesse, and so will you, hopefully. Uh, It's very easy to find and join. And uh, I think we should do like a recap episode of the whole season. Let's do it. So maybe this isn't the season finale. Maybe
2: we'll have one more episode. (laughs) But wait, there's more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But until we meet again, I'm Diana Kander here with Jesse Jacob reminding you that curiosity is your superpower. This is the way. Talk to you soon.